copyrighted program created by the Rio Grande Oil Company. Calling all cars, attention all Los Angeles County Sheriff cars, broadcast 170. Investigate a bank robbery and shooting at the Southern County Bank. 237 West Main Street, El Monte. That's all. Rose and satisfied to go through life practically without drama or excitement. But the fact that you are tuned in here to enjoy the thrilling exploits of hard-hitting police officers shows that you want action. Thousands of motorists agree that Rio Grande Crack Gasoline gives the liveliest performance they have ever experienced. It's good. It is the only gasoline you can buy that is refined for the patented Sinclair cracking process. This breaks up gasoline into finer atoms that burn more completely and give greater power. This is why Rio Grande cracks gasoline with tetraethyl gives police car performance. This is why more police cars, fire engines, ambulances, and other emergency equipment use Rio Grande cracks gasoline wherever it is sold than any other brand. So, if you like your automobile driving, as you like your radio entertainment, with plenty of vigorous action... Take advantage of all that the Rio Grande Oil Company offers. Tune in every week to these thrilling broadcasts. And go into an independent Rio Grande service station every time you need gasoline. If you enjoy the one, you will appreciate the other. pleasure to present once again Sheriff Eugene Biscalouse, head of the Los Angeles Sheriff's Office. Sheriff Biscalouse. Thank you. Good evening. Tonight, Calling All Cars brings you a story of a deception so incredible that it is hard to believe. It a case that started out with a bang, then settled down to becoming one of the most involved we have ever experienced. It took many long months of patience, investigation, on the part of our office, as well as the local El Monte and Pasadena officials to clear the many contradictory phases that insisted on cropping up. From the very beginning, we had a feeling that a man was lying, but due to the amazingly clever deception he had been carrying on, proving it turned out to be a really tough job. How it was done will be told on tonight's story of the Banker Bandit. opens in El Monte, California, on the last day of January 1936. It is just past closing, and inside the Southern County's bank at 237 West Main Street, the manager is straightening his desk, preparatory leading. 
A few feet away at another desk, his secretary, Alice Williams, is deep in phone conversation with Billy Irvine at the El Monte Herald. Through the glass partition separating his office from the cover's cages, Manager Mountain notices two men, apparently making out deposits to Thinking they are no more than late depositors, he turns back to his desk. Listen, Riley, to his secretary's
Keep your guns handy. I'm going to try the door. It's locked from the inside. I can't see anything on account of these blinds. Well, they must still be in there. I'm going to shake the door. Get set for trouble. Line your guns on the door. They try rushing us. Just blast them. Ready? Ready. All right, all right, boys. You've got us, don't you? Put your hands up back into the bank. Keep your guns on those men, boys. Let them have it if they start anything. Don't worry, we'll find any funny business. We know when we're late. All right, then keep your hands high over your head. Give me your hands, Hustle. I'll tie this heavy boy up so he can't start anything, even if he wants to. Okay, here they are. Now, first the other fellow, someone. Hurry up. See what he has on. I'll take him down. Come on, keep your hands up and don't make any fast moves. Come on, up there. Get your hands up or I'll shoot. Put my foot to him. Get Hey, anybody hurt? The guy who came in is more than hurt. He's dead. All right. I says I'll hit my hand. Here, somebody get straight over to the receiving hospital. You get that hand grabbed. Oh, that's all right. Hey, I wish that fellow was pushing. Huh? Hey, got a gun. Where? Over in the corner. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Oh, David. He's going down. Yeah. Uh, I thought he got hit. Shot by one of his own men. You go into the hospital, Fritz. Send an ambulance back for this fellow. Right. He's hurt plenty. That shotgun got him square. Well, uh, I tried to tell him, but not to shoot. Hey, Oisey, one of your pals? He was my brother. The one who came in, your brother, huh? Yes. Well, how about this other fellow over here? The one your brother shot. Who's he? Oh, Clarence. Clarence, yes. He did, too. No, not yet. But he will be soon. That is? That would be my guess, yes. Well, I... Uh, I guess that's that. Uh, this thing's a sort of... Sort of at an end. <laughs> not exactly what you'd call a very nice end, either. Removed to the El Monte Hospital, the wounded bandit dies shortly after arriving there. Fritz, the wounded officer, is found to be badly hurt in the hand, and it becomes necessary to amputate one finger. And as a result of the shooting, the one surviving member of the bandit trio, Frank Smith, is turned over to the Los Angeles Sheriff's Office for questioning. He is placed in jail and held in communicado while deputies Juno and Rossi of the Bureau of Investigation make a search of the three bandits' homes. And this completed, Captain Bright, head of the homicide squad, finds himself in possession of a complete arsenal taken from the Smith Brothers' home. Guns, ammunition, a gas pencil, and several articles of jewelry. With this evidence in hand, he turns the case over to Inspector Stensman, who in turn questions Frank Smith. Present at the question of Captain Bright. Department of Justice Official E.K. Maddox, Deputy Juno and Watson, and M.C. Hardy, Deputy Reporter. Well, let me know what's your name. Frank Horace Smith. How old are you? I'm 44. Have I been arrested before? And if so, for what? Well, I was arrested once in Glendale on a minor charge. Have I been arrested on a felony? No. Where did you work? Well, I was connected with the Hellman Bank. What was your position? Well, first as assistant cashier, and then as manager at Ransburg, up in the desert. How long have you known E.C. Yates? Oh, about ten years ago. You have a brother, Clarence Smith? Yes, sir. You know they're both dead now? Yes. All right, go ahead and tell us just what happened today. Well, we went out there to rob this bank. It was agreed that there'd be no shooting or bloodshed. Well, after we got in the bank, we both sensed that we were trapped, and I told Yates I was going to the door and for him not to shoot. Then I opened the door and told the officers to come in. 
Well, how does the shooting occur? Well, we were standing in the lobby being searched, and all of a sudden my brother came in the door and he yelled something, and then he started shooting. He only shot once, though, and the officer shot him down. Your brother is an outside in the car? Yes, sir. Now, when did you first plan this holdup? Oh, it about two or three months ago. Who was present? Yates and I. Where was your brother? Well, he wasn't on it at first. Uh, we brought him in about a month ago. Hmm. When did you last put the bank over? This morning. How much does your wife know about it? Uh, another thing. What does Gates' wife know about it? Well, I'm positive she doesn't know anything about it either. Well, it's going to be pretty bad for both women. They're not the type to be associated with a bank robber. Ever pull on the other jobs in this county first? No, sir. You sure about that? Positive. How about a bank in Santa Monica? Oh, well, I know about it. Yeah, I read about it, but I wasn't in on that holdup. How about a holdup on Washington Boulevard the other day? Uh, no, sir. Hey, who was on the job in Santa Monica, your brother? I don't know, sir. You understand that we have to bring your wife and Yates into character situation? Uh, yes, sir. Well, that is, uh, of course, and you ought to deal with the situation yourself about other jobs. Yes, sir, I understand. Where were you born, Smith? Uh, in Idaho. Did you go to school there? Uh, yes. How far did you go in school? Well, one year of finishing school and then to, to a business college of Spokane. How many brothers have you? Just one. How old is he? Oh, about 42, I guess. What business was he in? Well, in a hotel. It was a bellhop. What have you been? Oh, my previous business has been banking. 13 years of it in Idaho. Whereabouts in Idaho? Up in Wallace. What's the idea of all the guns found at your house? Well, I had them when I was working at the bank. Why? Well, I just had them, that's all. And you never pulled any other jobs here? No, sir. Well, to get back to when you left school, what did you do then? Well, uh, I left school, and then I went into a bank at Spokane, or in Washington. I worked there for a while as assistant cashier. And finally, the bank changed hands, and I was relieved. And I went to the theater. Unseated there in Stemsland's office, Captain Bright beat Frank Smith to a long, detailed resume of his life for the last 20 years. Listen, while Smith tells of his banking experience, listen, and make deep mental notes on little discrepancies that appear in the story. It is an amazing tale the bandit unfolds, a tale filled with changes of locale, of one job at a bank after another. And through it all runs one dominant string. Smith's constant denial that his wife knows anything about his bank robbing proclivity. His equally constant denial that he has pulled other jobs in Los Angeles County. His occasional slips about having spent money quickly covered by his statements to the effect that it is money he has accumulated. But when asked how, he has no answer. Hour after hour, Stensland, then Bright, Merritt, then Juno, Prentness, repeatedly they asked the same questions over and over again, quietly, almost monotonously. And after several hours, Stensman brings the interview to an abrupt close. Motion for prisoners to take him back to jail. And when he has left the room, the officers compare notes, exchange theories. That fellow's lying in his seat. At least he is when he says he hasn't pulled any other jobs. Why, he's an old-timer in this racket, you can tell. Yeah, I feel the same way, Captain. But he's a tough one to crack. He knows that both his partners are dead and they can't testify against him. 
That's what he's scolding about his wife not knowing. Uh, frankly, I can't believe it. You better have a talk with her. Maybe she'll have a different set of answers. What do you think, Nerd? How does this story stack up with you? Until he explains where he got the money we know he had, I'm convinced he's lying. And I agree with you that he's a tough one to crack. Smooth as they're making. Well, I'm going to check with Glancy and have him and Shuna talk to Mrs. Smith, and we'll see how the answers check with Frank. Captain Bryce's office, Deputies Gloucester, Juno, Bowers, and Lieutenant Henry question Frank Smith's wife. Test what Smith has told against her story. What is your name? Mary. Mary Smith. And what is your husband's name? Frank F. Smith. We're going to ask you some questions about your husband's past. There's also probably some about your past. Are you willing to answer them? Yes. How long have you been married? About... What was your husband's business when you married him? Well, I, I don't know. You mean to say that you didn't know his business when you married him? No. You didn't know how he made his living? Did you question him at any time? Yes, sir. He said that he, he made investments. That's how he made his money. Where were his offices, his place of business? Well, I, I don't know. Well, doesn't it seem strange that you didn't know his business address or occupation? Well, it does seem strange, but uh, Mr. Smith never said it. Yes. Does your husband own a car? Yes, sir. Do the baker sedan? Yes, sir. I, I think it's a 1933 model. Has it been painted lately? No, sir. You're sure of that? Yes, yeah, I'm pretty sure. It hasn't been painted in the last few months? No, I, I, I'm sure it hasn't. No. How were your allowances given you for running your home? He gave me a hundred dollars the first of each month. You continued to do that that long? Yes. Did you ever suspect that your husband was a bank robber, Mrs. Smith? Oh, no. Would you tell us if you knew? Yes. Are you positive of that? Yes. You know now that he is a bank robber. Yes. They just told me. And I... I can't believe it. I, I, I can't. His brother's dead and so is he. They were both shut down. You didn't tell his brother in this? No, he didn't. But the officer did at the bank holder. Oh, I don't know what to say. Now, Mrs. Smith, do you expect a group of officers to believe your story? But it's the truth. Your husband gave you $100 every month. You didn't know where it came from. You didn't know what his business was or where it was. He said he made investments. Are you trying to get yourself implicated in these robberies? Oh, no. You want to clear yourself? Yes. Well, then why don't you start telling us the truth? But I am telling the truth. I swear it. Mrs. Smith, have you ever seen your husband with large amounts of money around the house? No, sir. Have you ever seen any guns around the house? Yes, sir. How many? Well, there was a revolver on the bed stand, and he had a skeet gun, well, there were others. Quite a few others. Is that right, Mr. Smith? Yes. Well, didn't that arouse your suspicions at all? All those guns lying around? Well, I, I asked him about them, but he said that one was for death and another for clothes. Well, that's all. You marry a man who has no job. 
who has a house full of guns. And all these years, you never knew where his money was coming from. You expect that to believe that? But it's the truth. That's all I can say. Did you ever hear your husband speak of any business deals with Yates? Yes. He said that sometimes Yates would borrow money and that he didn't like it. But he said he had it fixed so that he could get it back. How much of the time would he loan Yates? Oh, sometimes hundred dollars, sometimes fifty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What was Mr. Yates' business? Well, when I first met him, he was in the used car business. And how long did he stay in it after he met your husband? Yeah. Not very long. And after that, what did he live on? Nothing but my husband loaned him. You had no other means of support than that? None that I knew of. Did your husband and Yates spend a good deal of time together? Yes, sir. And you knew what they were doing, didn't you? You knew they were robbing banks. Oh, no. No, sir, I didn't. Did you know that Yates was robbing banks? No, sir. How about your husband's brother? Did you know he was robbing banks? No, sir, I didn't know anything about it. And I can't tell you any more than I have. I don't know. I didn't know. Subsequent questioning of both Yeats' wife and the widow of Clarence Smith meet with the same denial. But Stensman is far from satisfied that his prisoner is an amateur. He is sure that he's pulled a long string of unsolved bank jobs on the list of cases marked unclosed. One job in particular is a bank in Santa Monica where two officers claim to have seen the bandit escaping. Accordingly, a phone call to Santa Monica brings them up. After the careful study of Smith, they both identify him as the bandit. Face to fist, Smith is still unwilling to talk. Soundless fact. You've been identified by these two officers on that Santa Monica bank job. What have you got to say about that? Now, gentlemen, I, I realized all that, and, and I still say I've been telling the truth. Now, if I have to talk, there are a lot of things I could probably clear up. But I don't want to without a word to some attorney first. What are your intentions on the El Monte case? You going to take your to that? Yes, sir. And Santa Monica, how about that? No. Frank, I'm going to tell you something. As far as state law is concerned, the government is going at one up when it comes to your wife. They can prosecute her to the limit. In, in what respect, Captain? She's accepted money from you. Stolen money. Well... Oh, yes, I suppose so. As it is now, I'll have to lock up all the women who just get cleared up. Because there's still some money out of other banks that we've got to locate, and I'm asking you to help us. Well, I want to help you, Captain. I'm making no promises, only that we will file all the charges at once if you tell us what the rest of the charges are. Well, well, now listen. You gentlemen have me. Now, you know I'm not going to get away. I'll be here tomorrow morning. Now, I can promise that if I have any information to the bug, you'll all be present to hear it. What's your proposition? Well, I'm not proposition with Captain. I mean... I have a friend who happens to be a judge in Long Beach, and I'd kind of like to talk to him. Since I'm leaving in a few minutes, and when I leave, the boys will have orders to lock everybody up, and that includes your wife. And no one can change that order while I'm away, and I'll be back on the job early in the morning. And I can't see where you have anything to lose by talking now. Well, that's what I wanted to know, Captain. Well, I wanted to talk to my friend down in Long Beach. Well, show me where you have anything to lose. Well, I have two branches of the government and all you gentlemen on there. 
But this situation is so complicated in all of this. There may be things that you don't think of, and, well, I do. I believe a captain would be perfectly willing if you wanted to ask us some particular questions in regard to the Federalman. Well, I would. Well, I don't want to give the impression that these gentlemen are not fair and square, but I I do want to talk about the federal government. Yeah, go ahead, Frank. Ask them anything you want. Well, yeah, well, all right. Now, if these federal men will walk over to the other side of the room for a minute, then... Smith was tried on several counts of robbery and found guilty to all the charges. 
On top of this, he was found guilty of one count of murder in the first degree and three counts of attempted murder. This came as a result of his brother's shotgun Sally intended for the officers which killed Yates. Both Yates and Smith's brother being killed left the guilt directly on Smith's shoulders, an ironic twist that caused him to receive a life sentence in San Quentin Penitentiary. longer trips than you've been taking the last few months. This is the time to insist on Rio Grande cracked gasoline. Nearly 300 police cars in Los Angeles drive more than 200 miles a day. And they've been using Rio Grande cracked gasoline for more than three years exclusively. The patented Sinclair cracking process breaks up gasoline into finer atoms so that you get more power and greater mileage. Rio Grande cracked gasoline is the only gasoline you can buy that gives police car performance. It has been specified month after month for the emergency equipment of Oakland, Berkeley, Marysville, Fresno, Santa Barbara, Los Angeles, Pasadena, San Diego, Phoenix, Santa Barbara County, Orange County, San Diego County, Maricopa County, Arizona, and now Monterey Park, California has joined the list. You will get better results, too, by using Sinclair Motor Oil. Sinclair Pennsylvania and Sinclair Opaline are both thoroughly de-waxed and de-jellied. And they come to you in refinery-sealed, tamper-proof cans. They float freely, will not break down under terrific engine heat, and they save repair bills. Any car worth oiling is worth oiling well, so insist on Sinclair Motor Oil. If you haven't had your free copy of Calling All Cars used this month, drive into your nearest independent Rio Grande service station tomorrow and get one. It's brim full of exciting movie news and pictures, detective stories, radio schedules, and other special features. Get your copy tomorrow. Calling all cars, attention all Los Angeles County Sheriff's Card, the cancellation broadcast 170, regarding the bank robbery in two. The in this case are now in custody. That's all. Rose and Chris. Frederick Lindsley, bidding you good night for the Rio Grande Oil Company.